Welcome to the latest instalment of the Shaken and Stirred podcast. I'm Simon Hildry and with me is Phil Milburn. Hello, Phil. Hi, Simon. So, Phil, I thought we'd talk about what on earth is going on in bond markets at the moment and what are they actually telling us? Shall we start with the German 10-year Bund? So it's given a negative yield at the moment. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you, Simon. To me, it is absolute lunacy. Around the world, I can justify some of the bond yields we're seeing at the moment. I struggle to, but just about. But the German 10-year bond yield uh, being negative when German CPI is at 1.3% and we have EU harmonised CPI at 1.4% doesn't really make sense to me. I can understand why we've got to lower yields, but the starting basis was pretty low anyway. Um, Over the last few months, the Citigroup economic surprise indices measuring how data has come out relative to expectations um, has become less worse in Europe, approaching flat, saying expectations were about right. That was until the 11th of March, when German industrial production came in at minus 0.8% month on month versus a plus 0.5% expectation level. The market obviously panicked after that, um, completely ignoring the fact that the prior month's figures of minus 0.4 month on month were actually revised up to plus 0.8, so the two month on two month was almost no change. But what is clear is that there is in Germany very much manufacturing softness. This is a theme throughout the world. And it's whether Germany is just a special case due to the emissions tests that are effect on the auto sector, the WLTP emissions, the low water levels in the Rhine, a pharmaceutical shutdown, and maybe the tariff side as well. And the big question at the moment is really, is this a soft patch or is this the end of the cycle? And this is all to do with uh, whether it's a manufacturing slowdown that affects the consumer or whether the consumer clears the inventory overhang and we go back to reasonable growth. And are are negative yields sustainable? They're not exactly attractive for investors, Phil. Uh, Yeah, at the moment, we're very much looking at, and forgive the cliche, investors are just looking at return of capital rather than return on capital in bond yields. But you're locking in a guaranteed negative nominal return for an economy that's actually doing okay, barring the last couple of months. And as I mentioned, CPI at plus 1.3, your real spending power is going to go massively down. Um, And what has changed in the last couple of years is there are less marginal buyers trying to manipulate their currency for that read the Swiss National Bank, who had been buying euros and will only really buy buns. A lot less of that is occurring nowadays. So it feels and looks like a typical short squeeze. And low yields are not obviously just confined to Europe. What's going on? What's the kind of global drivers? The global drivers, obviously, we've seen weaker growth um, through in the US as well. And this is very much mainly developed market led, plus the slowdown in China, something I reflect upon in a second. Um, But I think all of this has been added to by the market positioning has been in for the asset allocators very much risk on. So most people are structurally underweight interest rate risk, preferring on valuation terms, and I would add quite rightly, equities to fixed income, um, with fixed income valuations being too manipulated by central banks. Um, But then more recently, not only have shorts been stopped out, 
within the fixed income market, meaning adding to more marginal buying, then the last move we think has very much been amplified by the phenomenon of convexity hedging. Can you please explain what that means? Uh, yes, sorry. Um, I, that's, For those of us who don't jargon. know. <laughs> you need to press the jargon alarm button when we start talking about fixed income managers, talking about convexity hedging. Um, this is very much a case um, of it's predominantly a US phenomenon where the very large mortgage providers who have enormous both asset and liability books find that as yields fall, um, what happens is their liabilities start to lengthen in duration as people refinance their mortgages. Um, and ultimately, they start with a big asset liability mismatch. And the more yields fall, the more that mismatch increases. And so they actually have to start buying more and more duration as yields are falling. It's just, uh, it sounds odd that such a mathematical quirk would end up in such large moves. But these monsters, the Fannie Mae's, the Freddie Macs, have huge impact on the market when the marginal buying kicks in. The phenomenon tends to clear after a little while as once, uh, once the marginal mortgage owner has refinanced, um, this sort of lease has fallen through and uh, fallen into the liability section. And so ultimately, um, longer term, it shouldn't have any impact, but it does mean when bonds rally, they often rally too far too fast. So has that had any implications for you as a as a manager, as an investor? We have been reducing the duration within our strategic bond funds. Um, we have our range of zero to nine years with our midpoint of four and a half years, um, which we deem to be neutrality compared to global indices of about seven years. We've been reducing down over the last couple of months from around three years to about two years. Um, but we haven't wanted to go beyond that because the classic... Keynes paraphrased quote of the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent is really the case here. We cannot rationalise yields at these levels, but we don't want to take duration down to zero as we want to maintain some market correlation, some exposure. And so very much at the moment, we're maintaining duration of about two years. Um, over the last couple of days, yields have started to rise again. And if we saw Treasury yields back up above at the 10-year tenor, back up above 2.5%, we'd take duration up to about two and a half years again. So still a very low beta exposure, but not willing to go to zero in the face of that enormous technical buying. Can we turn um, to the US yield curve? There's been quite a lot of press coverage about it recently. And is it a leading indicator for a recession? What, what's your view on this? I, for, long, for a long time, have maintained that the single best signal to look for for recession in the US is the yield curve. And so it'd be hypocritical of me to change that now. The yield curve I tend to look at is the two-year yield minus the 10-year yield. When that turns negative, that means it's an inversion. The Fed at the moment are looking at more at three-month yields minus 10-year yields, which briefly last week did turn negative. And at the time of recording now, are back to a small positive. Um, the thing you have to bear in mind is that the twos tens yield curve has predicted nine of the last six recessions. So it's a good signal, but sometimes it's a false signal as well. But ultimately, what we're talking about here is when short rates are much higher than longer term rates, the market is going to be telling you 
that the Fed have tightened too far or too fast or both, and that longer term that's going to choke off growth. It's clear that, though, that in any money-based economies, paper-based economies, fiat economies as they're known, the cycles do not die of old age, the Fed or any other central bank kills them. But looking at this cycle, household debt is currently okay. It's much lower than it was in 07 through 09, as there's far less mortgage borrowing uh, payments as a percent of disposable income. Banks have massively delevered and have multiples more capital than they did in the last cycle. Corporates have been leveraging up, but not in an egregious way like the 05 to 07 boom. And certainly what we're not seeing is overinvestment. CapEx remains less than share buybacks in the States. And certainly I see that as one of the negative impacts of cheap money is it's cheap to buy back your shares and it puts you off building new factories, new investments, new data centers, new cloud computing, whatever. And I think that's one of the reasons why capacity utilization is still low as well. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy um, of not quite enough growth. Capacity utilization at current moment is 78.2%. It tends to peak in the cycle um, in the low 80s, maybe 82, 83-ish. So we're still a long way from the typical peak there as well. So the market signal um, that the yield curve came close to inverting um, is definitely flashing amber, but most of the economic signals are not yet. And maybe, just maybe, we really did just see a soft patch in the US, partially uh, caused by the tariff threats, partially caused by the federal shutdown due to um, the negotiation around the budget. But we're seeing the tentative green shoot sign of a bounce back already, with on the 1st of April, US ISM manufacturing starting to bounce back to a reading of 55.3, well above that growth level of 50 and above expectations of 54.5. So we're beginning to see signs that it really was just a soft patch rather than a real end of the cycle manufacturing slowdown that will resonate through the markets. So you're not as gloomy um, about the economic outlook as many commentators and economists? I would say completely and utterly yes. Um, we're much less gloomy than the market, certainly than what the market is discounting. We've long since said this year we'll see slower economic growth than last year, but last year was partly given the boon um, by the US fiscal stimulus, whose impact is fading. So we'll be lower growth this year, but still not far off trend. To put numbers around that, real global GDP growth this year, 2019, will be about 2.8%. Nominal GDP growth around the world this year will be about 5.2%. That's still not bad. And then, obviously, we talked about the yield curve is that leading indicator of recession. Well, look what's happening in the US. US wages are now growing at 3.4% year on year. And remember that 70% of the US economy is, the consum is consumption. The US consumer is still a bigger part of global GDP than China, um, than all of China. So people are underestimating um, the really the, the bounce back ability of economic growth. Looking at the global level, global developed market wages are growing at 2.8%. Um, Chinese manufacturing PMIs are finally rebounding, um, coming in at 50.5 recently, which is back into expansionary territory. So what I really think has been happening over the last few weeks 
we've seen a growth scare and I believe both the bond markets and more importantly the central banks have overreacted to this growth scare. This means the central bank put, as it's referred to, that allows us all to go out and buy risk is back in play. But I don't think it will be there forever. The pickup in economic data that we've seen more recently to me implies that the Fed put and the rest of the world's central bank put won't be there forever. And don't forget Draghi, um, the, the dove of all to make all doves, won't be there by the end of this year. Um, so really markets, and this is back to what you asked at the start of the call, are telling us that central banks are remarkably dovish. But I think another few weeks, maybe months of stronger economic data and the markets are going to have to start testing those central bankers and say, you've been dovish too soon, you're letting inflation genie out of the bottle, and therefore you shouldn't be as dovish. So at the moment, stronger economic data will be good for risk, good for markets. But I think a few weeks, a few months of this, and people will question whether the central bankers need to make another U-turn and start raising rates. Uh, or to summarise, I still believe the next movement in US interest rates which the market is saying is down, they're saying two cuts by the end of next year. I still believe the next move in US interest rates is going to be up and the Fed are ultimately playing fast and loose with inflation. Okay, so you're in the minority on that view, I would say. Uh, yes, and that's one of the reasons why we are underweight interest rate risk, why we have curved steepener positions on, why we prefer um, TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, to conventionals. But... And we accept we're in the minority. So that's why we're only at two years duration, not all the way down at zero. Great. Thank you very much, Phil. That was great. Thank you, Simon. And thank you to everyone for listening. And as usual, we welcome any feedback. We'll see you next time.